Hey nerds, no cover to cover this week. Sorry about that. Life gets in the way sometimes, but I wanted to give you a special Easter treat. It's a peek at what you get when you become a Patreon supporter of THN for as little as $1 a month. Every month, Joe and I invite a couple of you to come and review a whole book with us for what we call the THN Take a Look. It's in a book club. And this month, we're talking about Ed Brubaker's Scene of the Crime. It just had a new trade paperback printing come out, the first in quite a long time. And it's a lot of fun, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And like I said, for as little as $1 a month, you can have access to this kind of extra programming. And it helps to support this show. Joe and I work very hard, and we do a lot of research. And when you donate, it's your way of telling us you appreciate the show, and thank you. And, man, we appreciate the hell out of you. That's enough out of me. Let's get to it. It's time for THN. Take a look. It's in a book club. Welcome to another edition of the THN. Take a look. It's in a book club. And I'm here with... My co-host, Joe Patrick, but we'd like to introduce to you occasional guest host, Mr. Dave DeMarco. Hello. Say hello. Hi. And Frank Cirillo, a cover-to-cover stalwart. Frank, thanks for joining us on this one. <laughs> hey, no problem. Love, I, um, glad to be here, guys. So Dave, suck an egg. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's just uh, our fallback. We can't get anyone else. We know Dave will do it, you know. <laughs> uh, that's, that's fair. I'm old reliable. <laughs> Uh, it, it should be noted that Dave is the co-owner of the Eisner award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. We mentioned them at the start oh, of every cool. show. We are all Ed Brubaker fans. We've been reading, reading Ed Brubaker for years and years and years. This is a reprinting of Scene of the Crime, which came out from Vertigo, D.C. back in 1999. Frank, you thought this was a new book. I did. You know, I, I'm getting into crime stuff. I read that one that was the Parker one with uh, yes, uh, yeah, the Parker books, oh. the Parker books. My a friend of mine, Cook. yeah, my yeah, the Darwin Cook ones. My friend of mine gave me the uh, those to read, and they were just amazing. I was just blown away. The artwork was phenomenal. I can't. I mean, I'll, I'll probably use that word a thousand times tonight. <laughs> um, <laughs> the the artwork in the Parker books, but but you know. So I have a little bit of interest in crime books. I read that one book, you guy, the one book you guys with the cats. Um, that, oh, that Black sort of like the, Yeah, the that was Black really, Hat. yeah, yeah. That was really good. I enjoyed that a lot. So I, I like, I like this genre. Um, it's, it's really cool to read a comic book format in a crime genre. Right. Like I've never, it's something new for me. So that, that's probably why I didn't see this, you know, 20 odd years ago. Sure. And 23 years ago, this came yeah. out. Yeah. Which is sheer Damn. insanity because it doesn't. It feels like yesterday, quite honestly. Oh, it, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of how it works. Yeah. Uh, so now maybe, maybe Frank Matt was assuming a little too much. Uh, were you an Ed Brubaker fan before this? Um, I, you know, I've read stuff that Ed Brubaker has contributed to. So yeah, I like his work. I can't like off the top of my head. I'm listen. I'm going to tell. I'm going to be honest. I am a, a. I am the guy that reads comics for the art. Um, and, and I always know the art over the art, over the right artist, over the writer, like the writer was always, I'm, I'm sorry to say it, but the writer was always like, like the second fiddle guy to the art in the book. And one of the things that I always like, like to say is that if, if the art, as good as the writing is, if the art isn't there, it doesn't make the book. And we'll get me. We're, we're going to talk Frank, about that. We are the opposite. Like, yeah. I am the exact opposite as Joe knows. Okay. Like, I can't recognize art or artist for to save my life I, oh, I can okay only it's like that. face blindness version of face blindness if all if if the artist is somebody like super distinct i'll be able to like i think that's frank quietly you know like maybe um but if it's not then i'm just like eh, i art has never been a problem for me so it's always only story so i just think that's interesting that we are like literally two sides of the same that, that is uh, interesting yeah we totally planned that one hundred percent. So, scene of the crime. So let's is, just. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, scene of the crime nah, is back right. in print for the first time in a long time in a beautiful hardcover with a forward by Brian Michael Bendis, who is very. No, good. it's just a trade. Well, there's a hardcover version too that's super sexy. That's the one I have. No, sorry, I just, this is the I trade. Just yeah, looked it up on. I just looked it up on Diamond. No, it's just a. Trade. This is the trade. I have the hardcover version. That's why I keep mentioning it. Okay, I apologize. But <laughs> that's what. Yeah, I Yeah, no. It's yeah. yeah what, what's in print right now is the trade paperback. Right. It is the first time it's been in print in, uh, I in some years. To put this in perspective, the last time this book was in print, Friends was on the air. 
Fair enough. Mm. Right? Oh, Think yeah, about yeah, that yeah. for a second. But this, Don't is wild, this is widely viewed as the <laughs> book that would set Brubaker and Sean Phillips in motion to do their criminal series mm. that would win Eisner after Eisner after Eisner. This is sort of his first... For his first uh, jump into the crime noir, sort of West Coast crime story, and it's crazy. Can I just stop you and just and like set up the actual book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before Please, we like move into discussing the book, sure. Um, so Matt mentioned Sean Phillips. Sean Phillips is actually uh, the inker of this book, not the artist. Michael Lark is the artist, uh, and it is the first time that Michael Lark and Ed Brubaker ever worked together. Um, of course, they would go on very famously to do Gotham Central uh, with Greg Rucka at DC. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm sure they did many other things together that I am currently spacing on. Um, Michael Lark also uh, did, uh, is currently kind of famous for doing Lazarus, also with Greg Rucka. Um, Sean Phillips, uh, he wasn't even the inker of issue one. He no. didn't start inking this issue until he didn't do this it. series until issue two, uh, which I did not know because it doesn't say shit about that in the actual trade. Now, in the uh, in I, the hardcover that I have, Brubaker talks about it, and I think they reprint this in the trade paperback as well. But Michael Lark came to him and was like, "I I do not like the way I'm inking this. I need an inker. You got to get me an mm-hmm. inker." And that's how Sean Phillips was brought on. And issue two, you can see the art change absolutely. Well, I couldn't, but okay. <laughs> so I'll Scene take of the your crime, word for it. Uh, Scene of the Crime was originally a four-issue limited series uh, published by Vertigo, uh, as Matt said, in 1999. Um, Vertigo became kind of, I would say in the late 90s, uh, Vertigo would put, become known for their crime stuff. You know, they put out a lot of crime stuff, especially a lot of crime stuff from Ed Brubaker. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, you know, uh, blah, 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 blah. this was fairly early in their careers and are at least fairly early in their mainstream careers, um, because in the in the back matter of the book, Brubaker talks about how, you know, this kind of did springboard his way into doing Sleeper and Batman. And then next thing, uh, Gotham Central, as I said, and the next thing you know, he's at Brubaker uh, with a capital E, capital B. Well, I mean, that's how that's how names work, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> so, like, just for Frank's uh, edification, uh, Ed Brubaker, I would say, I would say to superhero fans, Ed Brubaker is is most notably uh, yeah. known as the uh, as the longtime writer of Captain America in the mid two thousands. Uh, he is the co well. I think you could argue one of the best. Let me. Probably let me back, one of the let best. Let me backtrack what America. I was about to say. Um, he, I was about to say that he's the co-creator of the Winter Soldier, which is sort of true. Yeah, um, that's fair. He's the he's the co-creator of the Winter Soldier persona, which was given okay, to Bucky okay. Barnes. I see where you're going. Who was created by Jack Kirby and Joe Simon in right. the forties? Like the Winter um, Soldier we know from the Marvel movies, right? Doesn't yeah, exist so, without. Oh, Ed which Brubaker. by the way, Ed Brubaker is kind of like not super cool with the Falcon and Winter Soldier TV show because he doesn't get shit from it. Yeah, I heard oh. that too. Sorry, Eddie. That it's sucks. Uh, that's neither here nor there. That's not what we're here for. Right. So scene of the crime. Uh, scene of the crime follows private detective Jack Harriman. He's this 20-something guy. Uh, he's hired to track down a missing girl uh, in the San Francisco area. Harriman is the son of a famous hero cop. And the nephew of uh, what they describe in the book as the world's most famous crime scene photographer. I did uh, love that. Newt Harriman. Uh, And he runs his detective agency out of an office above Newt's art gallery, which is called, you guessed it, Scene of the Crime. Uh, The the (laughs) back knockoffs. Oh, no. (laughs) Newt's knockoffs, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was super interesting in the back matter by Brubaker. He describes that when he pitched the book, uh, he pitched it to Vertigo under the name House of Mystery. Oh, fun. Because they were doing House of Secrets as this kind of horror title at the time. Right. And he's like, hey, yeah, let's keep the brands alive, right? And for whatever reason, Vertigo said no. And so they came up with Scene of the Crime. I would have loved like a whole series like House of Mystery and it's just like, a perpetual like 
four or five issue run of crime stories oh, under I, the house, I guarantee house of mystery. I guarantee that's like, where he was going with it. And they were like, let's try that. this. And it probably, it sold fine. And they were like, you know what, Ed, we've got other jobs for you. Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> well, I mean, they would have, they would have, they would have nixed the name way before it even came out. Right. So. But this was not like um, a blockbuster comic at the time. This was, I mean, I, I mean, was buying Vertigo stuff because it was Vertigo stuff. And that's literally the only reason I bought this. I think I knew. Like, Mike- I, wanna, I 100% remember seeing this on the stand. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I saw the cover of the first issue and I was like, yeah, I remember. I remember not buying that in 1990. I bought it off the stands because I uh, loved I Michael it. Lark. And I, for Michael Lark's I don't passport. remember seeing I don't remember seeing it on the stands, but this may have been in between that period where I stopped reading comics um, and didn't go into a comic shop until I would say 2002. So I may have missed, I may have like totally missed this in the store, in the stores, in the shops. So back Um, in 1999, Vertigo was at a, like a point where you were safe. If you wanted to buy a comic book and you never didn't know anything about it, buy a Vertigo comic book. They are putting out amazing stuff. I mean, wait, was Animal Man still being published in 1999? I, no, I don't think. No. So. Okay, good. Then Matt, that. then yeah. Matt's statement. Holds. <laughs> oh, I, I like the Vertigo a, Animal Man. <laughs> no, 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 no. Awful. Hey, one of my one of my friends worked on Animal Man. <laughs> I listen. Who? Take that, uh, back. Fred Harper. Oh. I don't know Fred Harper. I don't either. <laughs> he's um he's he does he does like a, a caricature covers for like the New Yorker magazine now. Oh Jesus! Oh, wow. oh, that's really a fan. He's a phenomenal artist. Okay. Check out his stuff. So uh, he's making way more money now. Back to the scene I'm of the sure. crime, as we were talking about, though. So yeah, this yeah. introduces. It, it's funny because I hadn't thought about this book until we decided we were going to do this again. And I picked it up and I read the hardcover that I have of it, and I almost had no memory of it and i could not believe like how very 90s it was like i could not stop looking at the main character <laughs> and seeing chandler with his hair messed like, up yeah, yeah, yeah. Chandler, yeah chandler bong debbie all chandler i could bong. i you know when i when i first started reading it it was a little slow i was i would have to say like the first up to chapter three, it's slow. It's like a slow burn as you're as you're going through it. And this is why I thought it was new, but set in the past because there were no cell phones. Yeah. There were no, yeah. you, you know, there was like no, all the cars were like late model cars, like nothing was new. Um, and as I started going through it, you, you know, I'm, I'm reading it, and all of a sudden the story, the, the pace starts picking up at a certain point. I don't want to say what it is because we don't want to spoil anything. But uh, the pace starts picking up and you're like, and now it's kind of rolling along and you're like, okay, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? I found myself really drawn into the story um, about, like I say, like by chapter three, there's 21 chapters in it. Uh, They're not all the same length. So it's like, it varies, but you know, I'm like, uh, I don't know, 5% into the book and and now all of a sudden I'm like I'm like sucked right into it and I couldn't stop reading it. But that's and it like was one of those. That's yeah. good crime noir fiction. You start right. with so, like right. yeah. down like and out a, detective. He's he's kind of a pile of crap, you know. And you're like, oh man, this guy. Yes. Oh, but he's <laughs> not. Know, like, that, that's the whole but, deal is that he's he's trying so hard to be a better person. Right. Um. But uh, like really quick, that is uh, Frank describes something about this edition of uh, the story that I doubt was true in the original trade or Matt's hardcover. And that is that it has been refitted as a graphic novel. Yeah. Uh, mm. Like I, like I knew it was a trade, like it was reprints. Um, and so when I started reading the book, I was like, wait a minute, there are no issue breaks. Well, but even in the comics, even in the, just the paper comics, they have those two. They still had weird chapters. No, I get it. Like it has chapters. Like lots of comics have chapters. You know, Christopher, every Christopher Priest comic has those chapters with the little black squares with the white, uh, you know, it's like what my, my dinner with Oogie or whatever, you know? (laughs) Yep. Uh, Oh no. It was like, um, uh, the devil's pants is the one I remember the most from uh, Black Panther where Everett K. Ross <laughs> walks out and finds Mephisto in Chachala's hotel room yeah. and he's in his tidy whities and Mephisto's like, pants. And gives him pants. <laughs> no, but there are, uh, but, I mean, there, there's definitely but breaks I mean, like, in the even, story. Even if, you're reading, even if you're reading it though in comics, there is a satisfying conclusion to each issue right yeah, where you're just like where the, where you know that this 
issue is over. When you're reading it in uh, in this format, you might read ten chapters. Okay, I see what you're saying. Before now. you decide yeah. to stop, and you're just like, mm. you know, like the way you feel when you come to your own stopping point would be different if you were reading it in a different way. Mm. But Frank, I know That's, exactly yeah. where you were where you got hit. Because there, it's you're right. It starts off and it's kind of slow. And there's a mm-hmm. dame, and she comes in and she's looking for her sister. And there's always a dame, you know. <laughs> and like, and they have a cigarette and they talk. And they're like, "Oh, so you were dating this cop, and he sent you to deal with me because he doesn't want to do his own dirty laundry, you know? Like, it's all there. Missing yeah. sister. Yeah. There's, oh yeah. There's cults Every involved. Trope. This is like two years after Hale Bop happened, so cults are still very hot. And oh like, yeah, oh, they man. even mention it. Right. Like oh, this shit yeah, is yeah. crazy, you know. And it's like there's a sex cult. And the sister lived with him for a while, and she gets out, and he talks to her, and he's like, oh, she's not so bad. You know, and this is the one spoiler I give, because it's the thing that hits you, and he's like, little and I know, she'd be dead by nine in the morning. You're like, whoa! (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, all of a sudden, it hits the ground running on the last page. That's literally chapter three. Yeah, Yeah, like the last page of chapter four. Yeah, Yeah. and and from there, it just takes off. Yeah. It, it really does. And it, it is, it has a lot of the, a lot of the noir tropes, but this is what I liked about it. The most is, is like, it's not set in that typical noir time period of the forties. Yeah. You know, it's set modern, um, fairly modern. And yes, he does look a lot like Chandler Bing. He does. Um, I'm look. I'm, I'm, I've got it on my iPad right now. I'm just looking at it. One of the things that really struck me about this, and it was the, the color, the color in this book, was just it evoked the mood of what was happening at the time you know you had those almost like those almost uh monochromatic pages yeah. where it was it was meant to evoke this kind of somber mood or this like depressed mood because everything was blue or well, everything not just was that. red i kind of felt like the the larger scenes were framed like a crime scene photograph. It was kind of dull. Oh. It was kind of sepiaed, you know. Uh, and, okay. And it kind of and things look like the the just like the reporter took a shot and people were kind of in, in the middle of a position or something or like yeah. not really posed. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there was well, a it, lot of that. And I also you talked about the colors. If you look at the going forward with the stories that him and Phillips would do later in Criminal, everything was dark, 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 mm. thick. Blacks, dark, noir. This is very bright for the most part. Yeah. A lot yeah. of this is set in the middle of the day. And even mm-hmm. when it's raining, it's still pretty bright. Like, and, and I think, I don't know if that's just, well, yeah, we're in San Francisco. It's a sunny place. You know, we're not yeah. in, you know, this isn't set in like London or Portland where it's always cloudy. Transylvania. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah well, or Transylvania. You know, it reminds me of like when, when you watch, okay, so there was that show, um, not not SVU. No, uh, it was one of those those crime dramas that was on CBS. So they had like a Vegas. They they, they started in Vegas. But they had the New CSI. York version. CSI. Thank you. The, C, the CSI New York and the CSI Miami, and they had like a crossover episode. And everything in CSI Miami was was like this tinged orange. Everything with yeah. CSI New York yeah. was tinged blue. Right. And I'm going. I'm watching it with my wife, and I'm going. Are they? Kidding me with this? This is insane. Why are they doing this to, to the coloration of this? And that's that's sort of what it's like. It's like you get this very color. It's very colorful to evoke this mood. Um, and I I really enjoyed that. And Matt, you bring up something like that I wanted to talk about too. Was when you look at the images and the the drawings. Every one of these drawings, like you said, looks like it was taken. Now I kept thinking. Who are the model for these people? These are all because I can tell you right now, every single one of these pictures, yeah, somebody modeled for this. Michael, somebody modeled for Michael Lark, absolutely. Yeah, you can tell he is. He's well, yeah, at, I mean, that, I'm not saying uh, tracing, but no, 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 no. Uh, had people. Uh, a lot of artists do that. Yeah, do that. You oh, know, yeah, they yeah. use reference for posing and and stuff. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's it, sometimes artists will use likenesses of people in a good way, like Alex yeah. Ross. Right. Some people will just use uh, posing for reference, like Michael Lark, or name any other ten good quality artists. Yeah, uh, but, some people yeah. will straight out trace things out of a catalog, right, or off of a screenshot from TV. Yeah, 
like oh, Greg no. Land and yeah. Salvador LaRocca. Other people will uh, yeah. draw Bruce Willis. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll never forget. I'll never forget being in Legend 1999. Uh, or pardon me, 2009. I was like, whoa. Uh, Iron, Man, the, Iron Man the movie was the hottest shit in town. Uh, it may have even been 2008. Um, but uh, Invincible Iron Man number one by Matt Fraction came out. And Tony Stark was Sawyer from Lost. Oh, without a doubt. With black oh, hair. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I, I could not unsee it. Now, we should say um, Michael Lark does not do that. Michael Lark No, is, no. This, like, he oh. uses reference as a tool, not as yeah. a crutch. Michael Lark is yeah, he very, uses, very talented and does a every, great job no, here. My only problem the, with it, like... It's very 90s, but there's also some extremely timeless stuff. Like Newt is still running around with like this camera oh with my a God. flash it's bulb. It's got the big bulb on it. And like, yeah, and like and the, the expanding, yeah. whatever the fuck I you call it. it. I love <laughs> that. I love that. <laughs> the accordion lens. You're right. Before we move on real fast, though, uh, I want to touch on what Frank said about the color. Uh, I have not seen the original version or I mean, not since I flipped through it 20 plus years ago. But uh, this book was colored. This this book was colored by James Sinclair. I do not believe he was the original colorist. Oh, okay. I believe, uh, and that might have something to do with like the change in technology. Oh, I've got the real. I've got the comic right in front of me here, like the old school. Uh, let's see. Inked and blood. Oh, okay. Sean Phillips inks. John Costanza letters. James Sinclair colors. He was James Sinclair. Oh, my mistake. Yeah. Um, but you know, it probably did have a, some sort of graphical upgrade. You know, just because oh, it, yeah. well, it probably got transitioned to digital files at some point. Yeah. And, right. This was not printed uh, on Baxter print back in the day. Like Vertigo, these were putting yeah, out. Yeah. No, it was on. I'm sure it was on newsprint. It was probably newsprint. or at least yeah. some sort of like. Yeah. Something slightly less than the slick stock that Marvel used to use. So we so, talked so about the point. The, I just want to say oh, the point that I was making. Oh, Matt, okay. No, go the ahead, point please. that I was making about the art was not not to say that I thought it was it was it was bad. I thought it was great. I mean, I could, I could as as a professional myself, I can not a comic artist, just artist. Um, I could tell that it was that that he used a lot of reference for this to great effect. You know, yeah. not not that it was not that he was, you know, saying like, oh, you know, like I'm just going to trace this stuff. Not at all. I think this stuff is I thought the artwork for this was. Oh, Frank froze. Some of the best work I've seen. I froze. You Joe froze a little bit. You said, OK, you, you were froze. saying you thought the artwork was some of the best artwork you've seen. Yes, that was it. I, and OK, yeah, I'm good. That's it. There's a great scene in the second issue where uh, the detective guy confronts the sister who came to him to find her missing sister and it's raining and she's with the police officer she's having an affair with who is a way older dude and she breaks down like crying in the rain and it is stunning stuff like really it, it's simplistic in its line work and it's not really overly realistic lark is very loose with his style but the emotion that he can mm. put into a panel and you can tell yes somebody posed for this but goddamn he kills it but, oh yeah, but absolutely. Enough about so the, good. Enough about the art, David. You love a mystery <laughs> more than most people that I know. This is a very like the formula is here. It is very pulp mystery. They, yes, it is. I mean, I would I would go so far as to say, and this is not an insult to Edward Breaker. I would say this is like derivative, right? It's it's totally. very much. Yes. you know. You got your gumshoe. It wears its inspiration on its sleeve. Yes. Let's so, say. and that is, and that is perfectly fine. It is not, it is not wrong to emulate every other like noir type story that's come before it puts a fun twist on it. You know, it's the same reason why I really liked like Veronica Mars. Right. You know, it's, it still breaks down like a Philip Marlowe detective story. It's because she, she talked like, um, she talked like Humphrey Bogart is why. <laughs> yes. It was very sexy. <laughs> um, but yeah. And, uh, Honestly, though, there was one thing that that sort of and I'm sure this is my own hang up. And that is that the main uh, Jack Harriman felt too young. For I what, no, I don't what, disagree. What happening. I don't you know because he's like in his 20s. He's like 27. Yes. Something like that. And he's got like this estranged, you know, almost wife, his 
well, all these other things that have happened. <laughs> he has a scar in his eye for an undisclosed reason. No, I mean, we can talk about that. I don't think this was a spoiler. Like, he was he was a heroin addict, and he was in a really gnarly relationship, and he was a drunk. Well, I'm, I'm talking about the, yeah, well, yeah, heroin addict. That yeah, I mean, yes, he's, yeah, he's got, he's got the grizzled look, you know, right, because but he's, he's got a scar. But he's, the and, fact that he's, like, oh, man, I've been through so much. I'm really trying to make myself better. You're 27. You can actually still have a couple more years if you want to really screw around. Right. You're okay. You got time, <laughs> you know what, though? But you know what? I know people like that. I know people who were so messed up. By the time they hit 25 years old, they were like, I got to change my life. I got to. I can't. I can't right, do this anymore. Fair. I understand. I'm not yeah. saying it doesn't happen. It's just in a, in a noir detective story, you expect yes. like. You know, Humphrey Bogart's like yeah. 45. Yeah, 50. like he's washed. <laughs> right. He's washed up. You know, right. he's he this, past his prime. This made me, when I was reading the book and then the the backup story, um, I actually found myself wishing that there was a, a like an extended, I want to see a thing about Newt and what Newt does. Because yeah. the idea of this elder man who has been taking crime scene photos forever, that and he's so good that he has a museum of them. And it's like, they're they're as perfect as art. Like that, he turned his job into art of taking. Right. And like weirdos come in to like meet him, and they're like, "He's never here. I just want to meet the guy." He right. like, I love his art. I love what he does. I, I want to see a story because because he seemed like a pretty competent detective too. Like he knew how to do things and get get shit done. Yeah, yeah you see him on like stakeouts with his like with his nephew or or grand. Yeah. Or I wanted to see a Newt story. I really did. Like that's all I could. I kept going back to Newt and Molly. I just thought, I, for me, they were kind of like the the hidden stars of the book. I yeah. don't. I don't disagree. I, I, I did. I did like the little detail that like. Molly was perpetually just his fiance. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. They'd be an engaged for forty years or whatever. Yeah, it was um, funny. Those but, things, yeah. like, really, they, he for side characters. Ed Rupert did a great job of fleshing both of them out. I thought they're the fun; those fun little details. Well, and you got to do that in every right. like pulp noir story, and like, and they have character like Whitey is a character, and Newt's a character, and like everybody has one name, and they're slime balls. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, his buddy that is like also a PI who just happens to like dress like he's right out of the like 30s or 40s. Oh or yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I think he's wearing my coat. Yeah, yeah. It's well, like, yeah, and they're like the same, they're supposed to be like the same age. They're, that's the oh yeah. I don't they're disagree. They're with like what, childhood friends. I don't disagree with what Dave said in the sense that it's like everybody else in this story feels very much like they were dropped into this typical crime noir, you know, tale with it with the twists and the turns and like the tough guys and like the dames. And then you have this 27 year old kid that looks like Chandler, you know, and, and it, it was jarring. It was a little jarring. Well, now I will. I will long sleeve shirt over it, and that's not to say it's like he's a bad character. I like the character, and I and and I believe what he went through, and I think Brubaker was trying to throw you a curveball here and be like, no, yeah. I'm not going to do the washed up cop that lost his job and now he's a PI and he's sick of taking pictures of people, you know, cheating on their wives and whatnot, but this case might be too much for him, you know? Like <laughs> this is a this is a good curveball to throw, and maybe just because he's wearing, you know, like a V-neck sweater with a white t-shirt under it or a silk shirt, <laughs> like in some pages. I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I, I, you're, you're pulling me out. Of it. He's wearing Junko jeans. I don't get it. Uh, no, like I'm going to go ahead and disagree here because I mean, and of course I defer to Dave because I know that he's much more well-read when it comes to noir stuff than I am. But the reason why that never really struck me as odd it's not like this guy like went through a normal life and then decided after high school, it's like, I'm going to be a detective. No, it's like this guy grew up in the right. shadow of his dead dad. Sure. And his, and his famous uncle. And like, he's never not been part of the life. And so for him to just kind of like inherit that, I thought felt natural. It felt natural to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah, he is young, you know, like for the typical 
for the typical noir hero, like he, he he's a little bit young to have that many miles on his uh, that on his that chassis is, or whatever you want to call it. But because there's one thing, it's like a young detective. No, an encyclopedia Brown. It's great. <laughs> like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but there's like a sweet spot, and that is like right it's the bell curve kind of thing. Either the detective is so young that it's like oh interesting, he's like a boy. Yeah, it's peanut bubble gum. He's like, he's, yeah, like fourteen. You should like be retired grand- by now, son. You're too old for this. <laughs> hey, um, you know, I, I have to say, I, I did enjoy that he was young. It did strike me as a little odd. But when I was in high school, I had this friend and we graduated from high school. Uh, like about a few years later, when we he was about 25, we were all about 25. He he shows up at my friend's house and he's like, oh, what you, what's going on with you? Oh, yeah, I'm a private detective now. I got my private PI license. I'm like, you're yeah. a what? You know, like, so it kind of was like, all right, so I actually knew somebody who was a private eye at that age. So I guess it's possible. But yeah, it, it does. It, Did he have a so, crippling heroin addiction? A <laughs> no, but he lived, <laughs> but he lived in an, he, he lived in an old Chevy van. I'm oh, not, even, I'm not oh. even kidding. That's perfect. An old Chevy Way to man. go, Dave. That's perfect, though. <laughs> no, I, real, and, and I think it's not, again, like the character is well fleshed out and the character is well yeah. written. It just, it, the genre, you know, right. like. That's but, here, but, but here's another thing, though. Here's another thing that makes me, that makes it not be an issue to me. If they did not specifically say the words 26 years old, it would have never come up. We would have never thought um, about it. I still would have they mentioned the Chandler no, thing and that he looked young. You could have. Like when you read the, when you look at this and you look at this art and the scar on his face and the world weariness in his eyes, like he could be in his mid thirties for all. Okay, now hold on, because if you look at issue one, he is, and and this is before Sean Phillips is inking him, he is a baby face. They make him look like a kid, and then starting in issue two, Sean Phillips comes in and makes him look a little more worn and a little more tired and a and, little okay, more well, drunk. I agree know? to disagree here. <laughs> I, I think may, like maybe in from panel to panel, you might be right, but I'm looking at a panel right here that is on like page one in the prologue. Uh, and uh, he is walking in the rain Yeah, and he, you know, he's having his own internal monologue and his cop friend, the older guy pulls up and shines his headlights on him. Yeah. And, right at it. Uh, it's a close-up of his face. He's got his hand over his eyes, and that guy looks like Steve Buscemi. <laughs> he does right <laughs> yeah. there, yeah. In that, pose. this guy, yeah. this twenty-six-year-old kid, looks like Steve Buscemi. So, in this Steve I'm going to mark that up to bad inking as well. Steve Buscemi cap on. <laughs> Steve Buscemi now. Hello, You're fellow. Right. Yeah, Steve Buscemi now. Hello, Not fellow like, students. Yeah, how do you do, fellow oh, kids? Poor Steve Buscemi. Sorry, Steve. I love you. No, I like. Yes, Yes, he's young. I, but I would go. I would go so far as to say, not a dig on the art necessarily, because I love Michael Lark and I love Sean Phillips. But maybe depending on the scene or the panel in question or the shading, definitely his age is kind of nebulous. Definitely, just yeah. in the same in the same way that again, if they did not specifically mention the time frame, you know, if they didn't if they didn't have those touchstones, like I don't think they specify what year it is. Um, but if they didn't like specifically, uh, they do. No, they mention the like. They mention no, like, they don't. They don't reference the year. They don't say 1999. When but they were they do talking about the cult, the Hale Bop. When they were talking about the cult, they say, "Well, yeah, they've been here since '97, so they set up a couple of years ago." Uh, they and what they say is they've been here. Uh, they've been here uh, since a couple of years after those idiots blew themselves up or whatever, uh, or those idiots killed themselves. Uh, and so, like, there's an uh, there is an obvious dated re- reference. But if you remove those elements from the script. I don't necessarily think he reads as too young, but that's just me. That's just me. Fair enough. We've spent way too much time talking. So about let's that. talk about the. I'll yeah. say, but I'll say this though: um, you're you're putting out a comic book for twenty somethings, and you want them to identify of with course. the main character. So of he's course. a twenty something. Yeah. How I mean, old? And, and listen, Ed Ed Brubaker was a twenty something when he wrote this. Totally. Well, sure. So, and who was the you who know, was Vertigo's so like main audience? But like art right, school guys right. in exactly. the late nineties. And yeah. by the way, this is like something that hadn't been done in comics since probably EC shut down. I mean, like no one was doing this crime noir kind of stuff. It was all superhero mm-hmm. horror. That is yeah. bad Almost girls. Certainly false. In the nineties, you're telling me in the nineties. Well, I'm you, saying crime comics have always been out. a thing. They just haven't always necessarily been a mainstream. 
Like they haven't been put out by the big two. Fair enough. This I'm going to say this is probably one of the first major crime stories that they put out in a very long time. So, yeah, I don't have a problem with them trying to make it like someone that like the person who's buying the book is relating to. But let's talk about the mystery, sure. the, because the most important part of a pulp noir detective story is the mystery. And this one definitely takes some good, twists good and turns. I felt like this is solid. Yeah. 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 You know, I will compelling stuff. I will say this. um, This is. This is um, it's not a spoiler per se, but um, Butler did it. About three quarters into the book. They introduced the butler character. They introduced the butler. The butler is holding a bloody real shifty. Yeah. Uh, So about three quarters of the way into the book. Uh, they are talking about, or, or like he goes back to the cult, right? And the cult has vamoosed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they, things happen. You, you find out where the cult went, what happened to him. And they talk about how, uh, they question a guy and they talk about how uh, the leader of the cult, um, like it didn't seem like a sex thing to him. Right. Like he was very upset. And when they say that, when they said that, like I'm paraphrasing and I don't have the exact dialogue and I don't want to read the exact dialogue because that's a spoiler. Big time. But um, there, there's something in the dialogue there where I where it clicked in my brain and I was like, aha, I know what it is. Mm-hmm. I know who he is. I was only half right. <laughs> Well, but that, that's, again, that's the mark of like when like, you read there was a these twist stories, on a twist. any good detective story right. is you working with the detective to try and figure out the mystery. And the writer is giving you like a hint, a, a clues here and there. And then all of a sudden the detective goes, oh my God, it was this. And you go, oh my God, it was. And then you both go, oh my God, but it was this too. Oh, you know, and. This follows all the beats. It absolutely and, does. Uh, the, and, and like now, and now I'm looking back, having read the book. I, I'm looking back at the first time you meet the cult leader, and he shows yeah. the guy the photo of the girl for the first time. Yeah, and it is obvious. Yeah, and that scene, um, yep. like he tells uh, that you, there's something up. He's telling you right there. He's like, "This is where yeah. the story that, is going." A, that's a great panel. But I, it's I, also I, like it, it's also a very it's also in a very subtle way that if you've never read it before, it doesn't make you go, "Aha, he's right. this." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just like it's just like one of those visual clues that lets you know obviously this guy's not being forthcoming uh, about his relationship with this girl, uh, and right. uh, you know he's like, "Oh." She looks familiar, but I can't be bothered to know the names of all of the women that come through this joint. I fuck so many of them. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> he runs a sex cult. That's that's right. You know, yeah, yeah. busy. You know, right. Like, you know what? <laughs> I'm not writing down names. And yeah, you know what? I'm sure that that is true for the most part. But in that one panel, Brubaker and Lark let the reader know it's like. No, this guy's fishy. And uh, it's just such a fun little obvious thing to look back on having read the book. Uh, it's like going back and revisiting a movie like with tons of uh, like rewatching Knives Out. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, and you're just like, oh, God, I can't believe they thought to pepper in all these things. Well, but the other that's the final scene in every one of these mysteries. And they do it here, too, where it's just like, oh, my God, remember this? And then they went and talked mm-hmm. to this guy. And it turns out this guy was <laughs> with her. And then it turns out they were doing this. And it turns out, oh, but no, oh it my wasn't like God. The, <laughs> it, wasn't like, it wasn't like the end of Clue where it's like, and then this happened. <laughs> no, but, like, and, but here's the thing. You don't have to do that in a comic book format. What I'm saying is, Everything was right there. And when you get to the end, when you finally, when we all know that like the detective's going to come in and he's going to confront them and say, I know exactly what's going on. And it was this and this and this. And then you pick up issue one again and look through it and go, oh shit, that was right there. And then you pick up issue two again and go, oh shit, that was right there. Like he had this so well fleshed out and thought out for a guy as young as he was telling this story. You know, he, I think this is an excellent first effort for what Brubaker would go on to do with all this criminal stuff. It, this is not my favorite by any means. 
I, 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 there's a lot more of the stories that he did that he just gets better and better and better at this. And if anything, I think this was a little too wordy and he could have let it breathe a little more. And he says that himself in his forward. He's like, I'm a little embarrassed. About- too long forward. <laughs> Come on. He says, I'm a little embarrassed about like how many words I tried to cram into every box. And Brian Michael Bendis in his forward is like, no way, man, cram all the words in there. That's all I do. I'm a crammer. <laughs> Just keep cramming. I'm a for Bendis. But I, and but thought bubbles. You need thought bubbles. Everyone's thinking. <laughs> Everybody's thinking of something. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, like, let's. Did, did let's actually get, have any thought bubbles in this comic? So good. No, no, no. That's good for them. No, no. I mean, oh, they, okay. Oh, yeah, no. Late, I mean, late, 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 late nineties. We weren't doing thought bubbles. Yeah. Thought no, bubbles. no thought bubbles. There was no thought bubbles. This was all narration I, boxes. All yeah, narration yeah. That's boxes, true. So. That's true. I really did enjoy the twists and turns that the story had. I, I really thought. As they went along, and you would you would get something revealed, yeah, and then there would be it's like oh okay oh, oh right 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 I saw that back there, and then you'd turn a little bit and go wait a minute there's this too yeah what like, suddenly the innocent are guilty and the guilty are still <laughs> guilty but like oh sort of okay, innocent. so <laughs> I had a like I, I will say this I I did have a feeling from like not the beginning of the book but somewhere in the first third of the book that that one of the people that was guilty was the person that was actually guilty, you know, and like, going, oh, I don't know, this person might've actually did the thing. I don't want to say it because it's a little too, you know, well, no, but, too but again, like that's the perfect you know? red herring too, where right, it's like, right. This dude is obviously a problem. We know that right. it's a problem right. and you're going to suspect him, but here's yeah. what you don't know about yes. him. You know, like, ah, <laughs> like that. <laughs> That's what you makes know, it so fun, you know, and that's yeah. No, it was it was. It, I loved the mystery. I loved following it through. I loved how it it just sort of opened up like an artichoke, you know. Right. Um. And it just reveals it just revealed itself until you get to the center of it, and you're like, oh man, this was really good. So let's Holy get to our, mo- our let's get to our final thoughts and our ratings. Okay. And well, Dave, let's start with you because you're in the upper left hand corner. Oh, but like right. final thoughts and your rating, and we rate things by it. Skim it, leave it, basically. Hmm. So or you're going to go buy it and hold it and it goes in the pile or, you know, yeah, read it, skim it. It's, it's a good read or you're like, don't waste your fucking time. Oh, I, I mean, certainly I I enjoyed it. Um, you know, again, as far as like a, a crime noir story, I thought it was perfectly fine. I don't think it was the greatest crime noir thing I've ever read. So I'd probably give it a skim it um, just because, again, not to speak ill of any art or anything like that. I wasn't blown away, but again, I've established I am not that guy. Sure. The story I thought was just, it was fun. Um, the mystery was not, I didn't, I didn't find it particularly compelling. It was just more of like, I wonder how this is going to shake out. Like, obviously there's, you know, there's this cult and this and that, and it was, it was enough for me to keep going and finishing it. And I was happy I did. But yeah, I don't think it's something I'd want to necessarily keep on the shelf. There are other things Ed Brubaker has done that are certainly far more like if you're going to buy something by Brubaker, it's not to me. It's not this. Um, that, that's fair. Yeah. It was fun, and yeah, I guess uh, I want him to make a Newton Molly story. That's what that's what I ultimately <laughs> want out of this. So for that, I mean, certainly it's worth reading. So yeah, Frank, that is, those are my thoughts. Frank, your other guest, um, why don't you go ahead? I, I am going to give this thing a. Uh, unequivocal buy it. Um, I, I loved it. I thought the story, I, if you're a guy like me where you've never really gotten into the crime drama comics uh, and stories, go for it. I've always loved mysteries. Um, you know, I was a huge Columbo fan as a kid, you know, so oh, like, yeah. I, I just said the magic <laughs> word, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one more thing. Um, so I definitely give it, give it a buy it because it's a great, int- it's a great introduction into crime noir if you're if you haven't done any before go out get this book it's fantastic the art i love the art i love the inking i love the coloring i love the story uh 100 buy it joe patrick uh i mean i'm a huge fan of everyone involved in this uh this book uh it's a buy it for me um you know just just a little behind the scenes thing for dave i've said for years that our rating system is broken <laughs> oh, oh yeah because a skim it means treat legend comics and coffee like a library 
It's, but you know, as 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 the proprietor, I do not mind if people want to come in and read a book. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you're the exception to the rule. Um, it, this <laughs> a, a, a skim it means flip through it on the rack as you're passing by, not necessarily read it all and then decide if you want to buy it. So, oh, um, yeah. which like it's fine. I get it. Like it, it, if this is something that maybe you'd want to check it out from the library, but that, not, that's where I would not, be at. Yeah, yeah but not. Uh, <laughs> but not like buy it and put it on your bookshelf forever. You know, that's right. that's fine. It's fine. Um, this is a buy it from me. Um, I I don't agree with Matt that it was too wordy. Like th- that is the joy of Brubaker to me is that every word he writes to me is super compelling. And could he have like been a little bit more economical with the dialogue? Maybe, but I loved, I loved all of the backstory about Newt. I loved learning about Jack's life and his father. Um, you know, the little tidbits about his, uh, about uh, Newt's relationship with Molly, uh, the stuff with the, the cop that kind of helped keep him out of trouble as a kid, you know, all those little things that, that might bog down. I wanted like I like get feed it to me, put it, pump it into my veins. That's what Ed Brubaker is good at is building character. And uh, I thought the mystery was compelling. I did think I had it all figured out uh, before the end, which is not something that ever happens with me. Um, <laughs> let me t- uh, one day I'll tell you the story of Eagle Eye. <laughs> and how Dave DeMarco broke me forever. <laughs> uh, but um, though I did, I did call one part of it correctly. The rest of it was a total surprise. Uh, and yeah, I loved it. Uh, the backup story, which, which was actually kind of a preview to the larger uh, miniseries back in the day. I also, I also thought was great. It's a little, a nice little Christmas mystery. Um, yeah, this was awesome. I loved it. So I, I guess this, I hold this book very dear because I remember picking it up just because it was vertigo and I loved vertigo back in the day. So it's, it's hard for me not to just say, yeah, buy it. Just, this is definitely a buy it, but I agree with Dave. This is not the strongest stuff that Brubaker put out, but it's also very formative Brubaker. You can't compare one. You can't compare like when you're rating something, it's not really fair to say, yes, Ultimate Spider-Man is good, but it's not as good as Jinx. Okay, but I haven't rated it yet, so let me finish I'm just my saying, thought. Right? Okay. I'm just saying, like... <laughs> well, now I feel attacked. No, no, no. I'm just... I'm like Matt. Matt's talking about how it's not as good as his other work. That's, no, that's, that's not, not really something that should I'm factor saying, into a rating. Uh, I don't let, let me finish my thought here. What I'm saying is... I keep it on there track are books then, that I truly love that he did masterful work on and won, you know, Eisner awards for this is not that, but it is his entry into that world. And you can see the genius there and you can see him working. And Michael Lark is a master and has been forever. And him working with a younger creator like this and putting out a book of this quality at the time when this shit was not, popular this was a risk that they took it's the 90s late 90s so we're talking bad girls we're talking young blood we're okay, talking it's like 1999 calm down <laughs> we're talking bad comics there are no mullets <laughs> no 1999 there's nothing what you're describing had long since passed <laughs> the super foil variant of scene of the crime so yeah. i i am giving this a buy it as a brubaker fan and i do think the best was yet to come but i think there's a lot of really good stuff here. And it was a lot of fun to revisit this book and rereading it. I honestly forgot the mystery. <laughs> like I knew certain things while Those I read really it. The best mysteries, the ones that are forgettable. <laughs> no, it was like, I knew it's like you're learning, things. you're reading it again. And you don't remember. Like when I opened it up and I was like, Oh, great. okay. I know that dude is bad, but I can't, remember how bad he's like oh he's really bad <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> so I, yeah i'm gonna give it a buy it it just has a special place for me i still own this four issue miniseries it's still in my collection i'll never part with it it makes me miss this era of vertigo very very much when dc was actually putting out challenging comics that were well written and well produced and man i miss vertigo man i miss vertigo and black label you are no vertigo sir all right. Uh, Ooh, um, <laughs> this is neither here nor there, but uh, I just uh, got caught up on Batman slash Catwoman 
uh, dawn of Catwoman's ass shots. <laughs> uh, and uh, you mean mask I of forgot. the Catwoman's ass is what you mean? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I, I totally forgot that it got shoved under black label. Yep, it's black label. Um, anyway, uh, you know, and not to not to like not to put uh, Ed Brubaker and Michael Lark on the same level or anything, but like to say that. Uh, scene of the crime is not as good as things that Ed Brubaker would write in the future, which I agree is true. That's like saying, man, did you guys read, or did you guys go to the museum and see Van Gogh's first painting? What a piece of shit. No, but like, it's an important um, painting it's still. Like, look, yeah, it's yeah, formative yeah, it's like, look, to what they would become. Piece of work. Yeah. Uh, this is a, a formative piece of work. Um, but by the time this came out, Ed Brubaker was already a well-established comic writer. Maybe he was not well-known as the crime comics guy. Yeah, he wasn't doing this. Certainly. But, like, he had, like, the first, he talks about it in the back matter. Uh, the first two projects he credits to himself are Low Life, which was autobiographical, and An Accidental Death, which was drawn by Eric Shanower, uh, who is the creator of an Age of, of, Age of Bronze. Uh, so even in the 90s, Eric Shanauer was huge yeah. in indie comics. And something about Brubaker's story, which came out in 1990, which he wrote in 1993, pardon me, it was published in 1993, uh, was so good that a guy like Eric Shanauer was like, yes, I will draw this. Yeah. And for being Brubaker's second project, it garnered them both a bunch of Eisner nominations. Yeah, definitely. So by the time Scene of the Crime came out, Ed Brubaker was already a guy. And um, yeah, you know, he probably cut his teeth on this a little bit for the for the crime noir genre. But uh, I think it is an absolutely stunning piece of work. I loved it front to back. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. This was great. Thank you Thanks for, for having us. We had a good time. And, yeah, me too. Uh, it's great. I, I hope you guys had fun as well. It sounds like we did. Huge thanks again to everybody that donates to the show on Patreon or clicks our Donate Now button, which you can also do for a one-time donation. It really does help, and it keeps us going. And I hope you dug a review of Seeing the Crime, and this is just a taste of the extra content that we are always putting up on Patreon. Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd. And like I said, a dollar, a dollar a month. It's nothing, and it really does help, and it's a great way to say thanks and keep Joe and I burying our heads in these long boxes to report on new and old comics just for you guys. Thanks again. Have a happy and safe and uh, responsibly gathered Easter. We're still all getting our vaccinations. We still got to wear our masks. We still got to take care of each other. Remember to take care of yourselves, take care of others, and make good decisions, will you, you jerks? This is the Two-Headed Nerd. I'm kidding. I love you. Signing off. Signing off.